Things Conceivable, a surrogacy podcast with Nazca Fontes. Welcome to All Things Conceivable, a surrogacy podcast. I'm so glad you're here today. I have to tell you, I'm sitting at my desk and the sun is shining and uh, I'm really, really glad that this podcast is not a video format. You know, as I I sit here in my quiet space, so excited for today's guest and thinking about the discussion we're going to have, it's not so far across the room that I can see a teeny tiny mirror. And luckily, I didn't have Zooms this morning either, but I swim oftentimes in the morning. And as we get to a certain age, uh, we all discover that those of us who like to swim, those goggle marks just don't go away. So on today's podcast, I'm forever grateful that I'm just a voice behind the microphone and there's no Zoom and uh, my skin will have all the time in the world to bounce back in the next 72 hours. So without further ado, let's talk about our next guest. One of the most important relationships that women have in their lives is their connection to their obigyne. Women have tough conversations, they have silly conversations, they have scary conversations, and it really is such an important role that OB-GYNs play in, in the arc of a woman's life. And what I really like to think about when we talk about surrogacy and in connection to an ob is how that, that relationship is so important and how meaningful. So on the show today, we have an amazing guest, Dr. Heather Carlson with the Mankato Clinic, which is a, a network clinic of the Mayo Healthcare System, who has delivered many of Conceivability's sero babies and has an awesome experience caring for those surrogates. She's a mom, she's a doctor, and she also finds spare time for her fur baby and enjoying the Minnesota outdoors. Welcome, Dr. Carlson. I'm so excited that you're here. Hi. I know that you've been an OBGYN for 15 years, and I'd love to hear about your journey to become a doctor and when you really decided that that was the profession for you. Yeah, I... Uh, started my medical school training in 2001, gosh, uh, right right before 9-11, so that was interesting. Uh, and then our uh, traditional medical school, your third and fourth years, you do rotations. And in my third year, uh, OBGYN is a typical rotation. And I'll be honest, I wasn't particularly interested in it going into it. Uh, I, I guess I didn't really know what the field involved um, but as I was doing the rotation, I found myself staying late, doing extra call, uh, really enjoying the relationships that you would build with the patients, um, seeing them through the pregnancy, deliver them, hand that baby over, and uh, it was just a, a fun thing. And so then I started to do more rotations and to do more uh, training in it, and I did. that's when I decided. Well, I think what was really remarkable about your particular profile is that you are actually servicing patients in the very clinic in which you were born. So you are a patient at your clinic. I think very few practitioners can can say that. So you you came back to your um, hometown roots to care for the patient population there. And so you've been doing this now for 15 years. Can you point to some of the more rewarding experiences that you've had in your 15 years in practice? Um, it, it's just kind of some more general things. I mean, you really do get to know your patients. I mean, obviously I have some patients that I went to high school with or I babysat for. It's kind of 
crazy. Um, but just as, as rewarding are the ones that I meet just starting in practice. And then, you know, you see girls in college and we do birth control or annual exams and get to know them and then they're engaged and married and, um, uh, and then they come in and pregnant and it's just kind of fun to see the, get to know people through all their different stages in life and then see them become mothers. Um, or, you know, well, actually most of my patients are mothers before they're surrogates, I would say. Um, and then just, just watching and being a part of, uh, all those people's lives through those different stages. It's, that's, that's my most rewarding, uh, thing. It's also really fun. I do have more than just fur babies now. <laughs> and so watching uh, my kids play with kids I've delivered and, you know, it's just kind of fun to see, get to know some of the babies that I've delivered um, through my own kids. Sure. In your, in your own backyard, in your own village, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, how yeah. remarkable is that? And I, yeah. and I would agree with you, you know, the life cycle, the reproductive life cycle of a woman is, you know, a, a fairly complex one. She changes quite a bit from the time she enters puberty, goes uh, through, you know, high school years and then develops um, into a woman. And, and, you know, those those changes and complexities all the way through to menopause and beyond are always shifting and complicated. So for mm-hmm. you to be there from the very beginning, um, that is a very strong patient-doctor relationship, and really one of the most, I think, um, you know, one of the most profound relationships in healthcare. It just needs to be on a very strong foundation of trust. And what we've come to find at Conceivabilities is when a, a woman is considering becoming a gestational surrogate, and one of the first people that she talks to outside of her, her spouse or her partner is her doctor. It is her OBGYN. There's such a strong bond of trust there. So, you know, when you think about how you might counsel or have counseled your patients who come to you and want to discuss surrogacy, you know, what are some of the the things that you you really want to um, perhaps inspire within them? And then what are some of the things that might be more of a cautionary tale? Um. You know, I feel like most of my patients that have come to me have done a lot of research. Um, and I think the clinics do a really nice job of giving them, you know, I honestly don't know if, if it's a packet or just a website that they're reading through, but they seem pretty well versed on the subject a lot of times before they bring it up to me. So we just talk about the different health issues that can occur, um, Again, like I've said, most of my patients have already been mothers before they've, you know, considered surrogacy. So that's very helpful because we can kind of review their pregnancies, review any issues that would uh, have occurred and maybe would occur again. And we talk about different issues that could occur. Um, And then I tend to know my patients fairly well. And so we, you know, I think the mental aspect of it is a very important one. And we talk about that too, different considerations and how they would deal with the emotional aspect of being a a carrier. Can you, can you, for our listeners, can you point to maybe one or two considerations that you think are kind of at the forefront of everybody's mind or even your mind? Everyone obviously considers how would they feel like giving this baby up. They are very well aware it's not their baby, uh, but just how would they feel 
feeling that baby grow inside of them and then giving that up. And so I think most people have already kind of went through that process before they've, they've talked to me, but I do, uh, we talk about, and as I've done this more, we talk about a little bit more, uh, cause I've learned as well that like, how are they going to feel? Obviously it's their body, but their body's kind of on rent. I don't know how to say it better. Um, and a lot of the medical decision-making isn't going to be solely based on their wishes necessarily. It's definitely a conversation between them and the biological parents and how, how are they going to deal with that aspect? Some patients are, um, not going to deal with that as well because they're very, uh, much independent in that. And other people are better at, um, kind of compartmentalizing that decision. And this isn't, you know, this is a, a surrogacy decision and versus one that they would make if they were pregnant with their own child. Right. So, you know, not only are you caring for a surrogate who is your patient, right? She's your patient, mm -hmm. but then right. there's this, yeah. you know, there's this other um, set of considerations on behalf of intended parents. And when right. you're caring for a surrogate, how do you communicate with intended parents? It's a sensitive undertaking. So mm -hmm. how do you do it best? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I try my hardest. Uh, <laughs> I think it's, I think it's different with, with every, uh, it is, it's just different with every single pregnancy. Um, sometimes the, the parents are more local. I just did a delivery. They, uh, live in China and, uh, but they're from Europe. And so they would call from different countries at 3 AM and we would FaceTime, um, and talk about them. But this is all via the my patient's phone so she has given all of her consent to the conversation and we uh but my me and my patient will talk about what they want me to talk about first before i would ever uh mm -hmm. say anything with the biological parents because i don't want to um you know that i don't want to lose their trust at all uh, plus that's just how that needs to be done. Um, I've had others where they come to the, uh, the appointments frequently. And then that, frankly, that's the easiest because they can ask questions and I answer them directly. Currently with COVID, we do a lot of phone calls or FaceTime, I would say. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's, you know, it's so interesting because it's a very unique and unusual role for a physician <laughs> to play, right? This intermediary, yeah. if you will. And, it, and it's yeah. not easy. It, and there can be yeah. conflicting points of view on care sometimes. So um, I don't envy yeah. that role at all in, a, in an OBGYN <laughs> caring for a surrogate pregnancy. But, um, you know, just to remind the listeners, too, that really the surrogate, it, she is your patient. And right. um, that's your primary focus. So let's mm -hmm. back up just a second. Um, and just to confirm, for those listeners who don't know a lot about surrogacy and are just curious, um, can you confirm for our listeners that surrogates really are gestational carriers who have no genetic yeah. connection to the babies they carry? Absolutely. <laughs> that is, this is not, they are just carrying the pregnancy. I shouldn't say just because it's an amazing um, thing that they're doing and it's, it's not always easy. Uh, but they are not the biological parent at all. So this the right, baby right. was created and then placed into them. 
into the surrogate. Right. She's just uh, a, a carrier and a, and a wonderful one at that. Can you remember, Dr. Carlson, the first time you got connected to the concept of surrogacy? Was it prior to medical school? Was it in medical school? Was it just, you know, pop culture? But when you first thought about it and were introduced to it, and I would love to then to know how you now look at it through the lens of being a healthcare provider. That's, I, I, I'm pretty sure it was just during my OB rotation and they said, surrogate and I was like what is, what is that you know <laughs> I hadn't heard of that and the physician just explained the, how that works to me and I was like oh okay um and I just you know at that time I probably thought of it more as someone who was giving their baby up for adoption um the, as I go through it more um I clearly that is not the situation and um I think I think my patients and the surrogacy clinics do a really nice job of making sure no one feels like it's their child that they're giving up. They definitely are aware and emotionally prepared that they are just carrying the baby. And and so I just think it's a really unique situation and what a great gift to give to someone. I think it's really beautiful now. Well, you know, those of us who practice in this field, you know, we are all about modern family building. And I read that one of your favorite parts of being a doctor, I believe, is one, one of your YouTube videos with your children, which was just simply adorable. Oh, oh thanks. Um, <laughs> the adorable kids were the stars. <laughs> yes, I am aware. <laughs> That's um, why but, I did you know, it. One, one of your favorite parts of being a doctor is really helping build families. Um, and so how does it feel to have a career that focuses on the mission and gets to incorporate something that's so, you know, kind of modern and cutting edge like surrogacy? Um, I, it's great. I, I, that's, I, that's what I love to do. That's why I went into this. Um, I think it's, it's even more important to me now, and I feel more strongly about it now that I have my own children. It's even, I guess, more special that I am a part of this whole process in, in um, families' lives and getting to be a part of part of that moment. I think everyone who, who does have children remembers the first time they saw their baby on an ultrasound or rem- certainly remembers their baby being born. And it's really, um, it's really an honor to be trusted in those situations and to be a part of that situation. So... Um, I really, that's why I went into OB-GYN, so. I think that you have such a unique uh, front row view, um, literally, in this process. When you get to deliver one of your surrogates and see that child being placed into the arms of the intended parent, you know, can you share, um, you know, some of those experiences or some of those moments for our listeners? Because that's really where all of the hard work that we do and all of the care that we put in really comes to fruition, right? That's the joyful um, zenith of all of this. And I would love to hear right. some of, of your um, experiences there. Yeah. I, I just had the, the greatest delivery over the summer. And um, the couple were from uh, Europe and uh, through lots of struggle made it here, uh, which was emotional. And I think all of these situations are that much more satisfying when you do know all the backstory and you've been through it with them. So I think everyone involved in the delivery was that much more invested because it was so hard with COVID for them to get over here. Um, 
And this is a, a, a married couple with uh, two men, and so clearly couldn't conceive on their own, And um, it, but so wanted to have this baby, and they were so excited, and they were just... Um, cared so much for their surrogate. Uh, it was just beautiful. I mean, every single person in the room was crying well before the baby was born. The dads were sobbing, hoping openly and, and, uh, hugging the mom and thanking her. And, um, and then when that baby was born, she went right to the dad's chest and they are just, uh, there was not a dry eye in the room. It was such a beautiful moment to see. And, and they cared so much for the, the surrogate and the, so excited for that baby it was just a wonderful moment so that was one of my favorite ones recently so um but it, it is nice because you do know these people um and when you're part of that whole process you know all the struggles they had trying to get pregnant or trying to have the baby and to see them hold that baby for the first time is so special it it really is i i think that there's nothing better it makes all of the the hard work worthwhile, and mm-hmm. you know, for surrogates, you know that they come to this too. I believe um, most often just fully informed, very clear thinking, really wanting to have that special experience. You know, they they work long and hard for that too, for that moment when they can hand the baby and and you know cry those tears of joy together. Um, mm-hmm. And we do hear from a lot of surrogates that when they, they finally take the step towards surrogacy, they, we often hear that it's all about the right time in their lives. Like they've thought about it, they mulled it over, they discussed it, they analyzed it, they researched it, and finally they arrive at this decision and they say the time is right. Um, and that, that sounds more of like an emotional uh, point of view about the, the, the journey or the process. But from a medical point of view, um, if you're caring for a patient, do you have any opinion about what some some issues might be to consider in terms of medical timing? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, uh, absolutely. I, you know, I think the most important more than timing is just their overall health. And so um, just if there are any underlying issues, talking about that and making sure that they um, are at are healthy and doing healthy um, lifestyle choices and which all of my patients are but um, that are surrogates but um, just making sure that's all in order um, and then age does play a factor um, pregnancy in general becomes riskier the older you are um, part of that is due to genetics but a lot of it does is due to the mom's own physiology, and so that part can't be, you know, sidestepped with surrogacy. Um, and so then we just we talk about the risks with pregnancy, and I think that's a strong thing too um, that I try to reiterate with my patients is that just because your own pregnancies didn't have these issues for one, you're older this time, and two, this isn't your genetic baby, so there are differences that can happen in the pregnancy and you and we need to talk about those and some of those like blood pressure issues blood sugar issues um, preterm delivery things like that do become uh, increased as you get older and so then you need to make sure that you consider those as a possibility and how would that affect your life your work your family your kids sports schedule different things like that 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you were to, uh, you know, if a, if a surrogate, if a patient of yours comes to you and says, hey, Dr. Carlson, you know, I, I've really been thinking about being a surrogate. What advice do you have for them? And how, how might you encourage other women to craft the conversation with their own doctor? Mm. Um, I, I feel like most of my patients come in, they already know that they want to do it. <laughs> um, so Strong they don't really talk about it. I know. I feel like, <laughs> um, are you sure? Yes. Okay. Uh, you know, they've been like, I've thought about this for years and this, you know, and it's kind of hard to question that the intent too much. Uh, so I, I, you know, if I feel like they haven't thought about it too too much, then we go into their intent and, and why do they want to be a surrogate. Um, but, you know, I don't have a lot of experience in them not having thought about it very much because most of them have thought about it for years by the time we talk about it. Uh, so then we just talk about um, the health point, you know, the health issues and, and what can happen with pregnancy and um, you know, have they thought about that and, um, and just kind of go from there. So, right. Okay. I don't well, have, I don't, yeah, I guess I don't have a, yeah, I don't have but, advice but on how I, to start I, the conversation. I love that. <laughs> I, I love that because they really, they do. I mentioned it earlier. They are very clear thinking and very well informed. And um, I do think that there's this, um, you know, one, this is a great time. Perhaps we can bust some myths, right? And yeah. one of those is some folks second guess a surrogate's intention. So in your experience, why do you think women want to become surrogates? Because they want to help others become a, a mom or a family. So um, they, and they can't, I feel like the comment I probably hear the most often is it wasn't like my pregnancy was never difficult or hard for me and I can't imagine not being able to have children and so I just want I feel like I would be a good person to give that to someone else which I think is true very admirable Mm -hmm. another myth some some surrogates will say you know I've had my tubes tied I've heard that I can't be a surrogate is this true uh, no, <laughs> it doesn't matter because <laughs> they're not using their eggs. So uh, right, as long as right. they have a uterus that's working, we're good. <laughs> so, yeah, right. Yeah. And one, of course, that we already touched upon previously, but, it, you know, a, a big myth that swirls around for folks that are really on the periphery of, of surrogacy and just don't know how it works. But, you know, will the baby um, have any shared DNA with the surrogate mother or look <laughs> like the surrogate? Let's bust this one out. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the surrogate. So, uh, yeah, not unless the mom and the surrogate look alike. That would be the only way. <laughs> so, um, or the dad, I guess. Um, yeah, no, it's not genetic. It has nothing to do with the surrogate. The surrogate is merely incubating that baby <laughs> for that time. So no no shared DNA. Have you ever experienced a moment in the... In the um in the care uh, of any of your surrogates in delivery where she has struggled um, after giving birth? Um, I think there's a couple of different ways that, that women can struggle. For the most part, most of my patients have done really well with like handing the baby over. Um, I and that, whereas that's different, you know, when, when I deliver someone who's giving their baby up for adoption, um, obviously not the same thing, but, um, I think, um, hormonally those hormones are still hers (laughs) and they still go crazy after delivery. And so 
there's um, there's definitely some women that have struggled with you know postpartum mood issues, um, depression probably being the main one, um, which you know is treatable and we talk about and we and we discuss before delivery and after so um it hasn't been a, a long struggle um I, and then there's you know there's been some times when there has been some medical decision making during the pregnancy that that's probably some of the biggest struggles that we have dealt with um with my patients um where the the biological parents are uh, wishes are different than hers. <laughs> so, right. That's the um, tricky part, right? That's bridging mm-hmm. the gap in communication yeah. that can really be, um, a, a delicate dance. Yeah. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So that's, that's been probably the most challenging situations, um, you know, with, with surrogacy, not, not frequently. The most frequent one, and this is a, one that I never thought about is a lot of the, uh, intended parents or biological parents uh, want certain things during the pregnancy or or during labor, just like any first time parents often do. You know, don't don't take any medication. You know, especially for mood and things like that. Uh, and during delivery, want an all natural delivery. I think every OBGYN in the world has heard that the mom wants to try uh, going all natural, and then. <laughs> ends up having an epidural. Uh, we hear that frequently since the biological parents aren't necessarily the ones in labor, <laughs> they still mm-hmm. continue to want the, the all natural birth, whereas the intended or the surrogate may want that epidural. And so that's, that's kind of a common one that we, we, we talk about frequently. <laughs> so yes, um, yes. Dueling decision-making at hand. Yes. That, yes. That's also another tricky one. How about mm-hmm. the the spouse of the surrogate? What is your point of view on you know their ability to support their wives through this endeavor, and how involved have you seen them been, seen them be in the past? Yeah, I, um, I've only, and you know, I'm thinking about it. I've only had a couple uh, biological parents that were. Uh, man and woman <laughs> so uh but always the husband has been very supportive like um yeah I mean I don't know if it's just the process that makes them or that self-selects very supportive husbands or uh they've been you know really amazing and sometimes um a little more uh they might be doing a little of the mediation as well <laughs> I feel they're sharing in the mediation um yeah, so I, I think they've been, uh, I've only had really good encounters with with that, with those people. That's very good to hear. And, and you know, if we had to ask you, you know, Dr. Heather Carlson, a practitioner OBGYN at the Mankato Clinic, a member of the Mayo Clinic Network, if, if we were to ask you, if you had one piece of advice for anyone considering surrogacy, what would it be? Hmm. <laughs> um, just think about it. Um, I think, you know, just ask yourself, why do I want to do this? And, um, and just think, I, I think probably the biggest thing, um, that's probably difficult for people to think about is that it's not going to be the same likely as your own pregnancies. So it's worth thinking about 
what if I need surgery for this? What if I develop preeclampsia and need to go on bed rest? What if I need to have a C-section? Um, and as long as you're okay with the outcome or that process, I think it's a, it's a good, um, it's a, it's a great option. And it's, and, and you're a very good communicator because I think communication between you and your physician, you and the biological parents is the number one most important thing to make it a successful process for everyone is that there's good, clear communication between everyone. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, right, mm-hmm. right. Well, you know, you made some some really important points along the way in today's discussion, one of them being how important the mental health aspect of this process is and the care that needs to be provided in that vein. You know, as an agency with, you know, nearly 25 years of experience, I can tell you that postpartum time is a really important one. I think mm-hmm. that there's a lot of jubilation and, and joy upon delivery, um, but the intended parents pivot, right? And they go home mm-hmm. with that treasured child, and the, the surrogate has you know, done a, a magnificent thing, but she needs to heal. And she needs mm-hmm. to heal uh, physically, but she also needs to you know, take care of those hormones that are still coursing through her body and, <laughs> and offering a support system. And that's what uh, an agency like Conceivability certainly does. You know, we have postpartum care and support groups and therapists that you know, really look out for her during this delicate period of time. Um, would you recommend that everyone, whether it's a surrogate or not, just you know takes advantage of any um, therapeutic support out there during this critical time during healing? Absolutely. Um, again, uh, you know I don't think anyone knows how they're going to feel. You know the first time you have a child, how you know you you have these ideas about how pregnancy delivery and, and raising a child is going to be, um, and then. I feel like half the time that goes, you know, all up in the air after you hold your child for the first time. And it's kind of the same, obviously not the same situation, but it's the same with this. You don't exactly know how you're going to feel afterward. And uh, different people heal differently and they want different things. I have some patients that enjoy and really do best with continued communication with the um the biological parents and I have other patients that really want that line drawn and the page turned and, and end of that, you know, situation. And, um, both, you know, my different patients feeling different ways would not, wouldn't do as well if they hadn't thought about it and talked about it and, and, um, spoken to people about that and, uh, communicated that with the biological parents. And so I think that's very, very key. Um, and then just all the other hormones and <laughs> feelings and uh, help is more help is always better than less for sure. And Dr. Carlson, finally, you know, after all of your years of being in practice, all the patients that you spend time with, all the good conversations, all the difficult conversations, all the people that you come have come to know, um, if you think about surrogacy. And the conversation that we've had today, and you you reflect on your practice, what is your big aha moment when it comes to surrogacy? I think, uh, especially during these times, all of us are more convinced than ever the importance of family and close relationships. And there's really no better gift than to be able to 
help someone or give someone the opportunity to have a child and build their family. And I think that's the most wonderful gift that anyone could do. And it's, it's just such a great uh, opportunity uh, that's available for people nowadays. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. Dr. Heather Carlson, OBGYN, Mankato Clinic, a member of the Mayo Clinic Network, surrogacy doctor extraordinaire. Thank you so much for your time with me today. I know that our listeners are going to benefit greatly from your wisdom and perspective. So I really appreciate this so much. Thank you. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. And surrogates, potential surrogates, intended parents, if you're listening, this is the doctor to see. What a wonderful conversation with Dr. Carlson. It was such an honor and a privilege to have her with me today talking about the medical care of surrogates. And, you know, what's so interesting is that now, we've done a lot of research over, uh, you know, a pretty long period of time. And what we've come to understand with our surrogate community is that the trust and the support of their OBGYN is paramount to a good experience. You know, there's so many moving pieces and parts in a surrogacy journey and a lot of new and um, different people coming into the process and the the fact that a surrogate can pivot and still have the support of one of her most trusted advisors in her life really sets the tone for a positive experience and I love that Dr. Carlson even said you know so many of them come to me so many of my patients are already so well informed Um, they don't have a lot of questions they just want to know that I'm going to be there that I'm going to support them that they are my patient and that is, is key to the process, that even with all of these, these folks involved in a surrogacy journey and you know, these hopeful and joyful intended parents, the bond between the surrogate and her doctor is really paramount, and it does set the tone for a positive journey. So I hope our listeners got a sense that surrogacy is medically safe, um, that it is something that OBGYNs support and acknowledge as a wonderful, beautiful thing that other women can do and that they feel very optimistic and uh, reassured that they're going to get top-notch medical care from their trusted doctor all the way through. Before I go, I want to share a very exciting Uh, Development for Conceivabilities, if you would like to head over to the surrogacylearningcenter.conceivabilities.com, we have a brand new community that is all about surrogacy. Thank you for joining All Things Conceivable, a surrogacy podcast hosted by Nasca Fontes. Hey, that's me. Thanks, guys. At Conceivabilities, we believe that everyone who wants to become a parent can. Our agency has helped build thousands of families for nearly 25 years. Whether you are an intended parent ready to fulfill your family destiny, a surrogate answering your calling, or an egg donor wanting to expand what's possible in your life, we are your people. See how matching matters. Learn more by joining our Surrogacy Learning Center community at surrogacylearningcenter.conceivabilities.com.